Our study today is entitled Courage In. Courage In. There's a key verse here found in John 16, verse 33. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And these are the words of Jesus. Right? These are the words of Jesus to his followers trying to give them that courage, encouragement. He wanted to instill a sense of courage amongst his followers. And he says that you may have peace. And he tells them to take heart. Okay. How many of you here know what it's like to feel anxious and afraid? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, maybe it was... Um, what makes you feel anxious? Coronavirus. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, diseases. It makes me nervous. What else? It, presentations. Presentations. Interviews. Absolutely. Examinations. Right? Uncertainties. When you make your application, right, to uh, migrate to Canada from the Philippines. You know, your papers, are they in order? You know, yeah, there's a lot of anxiety um, associated with that. How about being afraid? What are you afraid of? Ghosts? <laughs> Heights? Snakes? Wife? Well, that's honest. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Lots of different things you could be afraid of. Let's look, let's look at a couple verses here found in Proverbs. Anxiety weighs down a heart, but a kind word cheers it up. Fear of a man will provide, fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Could you identify with that first passage there? How does anxiety make you feel? You feel frozen, heavy, down. You feel unmotivated. You feel stuck. Yeah? You feel like you're just not going anywhere. Right? You're not going anywhere, but you're going crazy inside. Right? It's like your heart is racing, and you're not even running. You're immobilized. Right? Anxiety weighs down the heart, and a kind word cheers it up. You ever have a friend come along and try to encourage you? Or make you feel better when you're feeling a little anxious? And your friend comes up to you and they're just like, you worry too much, man. Just get over yourself. Do you think that's helpful? No. Not at all. Like, that's not kind. You know, I don't feel encouraged when someone says, listen, you're worrying about nothing, just snap out of it. I'm like, no, what I'm worrying about is very real to me. You know, and, and having someone come alongside you and just say, listen, I don't exactly know what you're going through, but I see that you're having a hard time. Could I pray for you? How could I help you? You know, like that's kindness right there. Uh, you don't have to agree or understand what anybody's going through, but you can be kind, all right? And a kind word, wow, how encouraging that is. You know, um, this past month, we've had a lot of uh, funerals, a lot of funerals. 
And uh, there are a lot of lives that have been, that have been lost this past month. Um, I, I personally, I, I don't know, I feel so uncomfortable sometimes when I go to those things. Because it's like you want to be there for your friend. You, you want to you encourage them. You want to comfort them. You, you want to just let them know that you love them and, and you care about, you know, you don't want to see them hurting so much, but you want to mourn with them, you know. But what do you say? Sometimes it's just good to go in there and be kind. You don't have to say anything. Don't make it about yourself. Make it about the person you're, you're comforting, you know? Just be there with them. Sometimes your silence and your presence is a great kindness, right? Can't tell you how many times I, I try to cheer my wife up. And man, I come in and I'm just like, babe, you know, we had a fight and, you know, whatever. And I, I thought it was over and I come in and I'm trying to, you know, make things cool. And man, guys, it's best to just keep your mouth shut. <laughs> you know, I, I think it's the times where I just come in and sit down beside my wife and I'm quiet. And although she might be seething inside because she's still upset with me, you know, the kind thing would just be don't say anything. Yeah. Oh, she's. <laughs> you know? But when we're anxious and we're uncertain about things, it makes us act a little out of sorts. It makes us feel a little, a little out of control, a little crazy, right? I mean, right now, Chris Lito just said a, a, a beautiful prayer um, addressing what our, the condition of the world is today and everything that we're facing. Before we continue on in our study, I'd like us to just uh, recap January 2020 first year of uh, the first month of a new year and man what a way to start it off right you had the bushfires out in Australia just like eating away the continent you know pretty much and just spreading smoke everywhere and such a beautiful place just fearing for their life where are they supposed to evacuate to where are they supposed to run they're an island in the middle of the ocean it's like where do you go you know um in the Caribbean you had um the earthquakes in Puerto Rico and Jamaica and a lot of lives lost there. Again, small islands. Where do you go? You know, the earthquakes come and the floods come. You know, what are you supposed to do? I'd be anxious. You know, there was one time we were in the Philippines. Um, and while we were there on our mission trip with Connections, um, there, there was news of, uh, was a tsunami? A tsunami was coming. We were like a little bit more inland. But people were freaking out everywhere and they we were looking where are we going to get clean water so we looked down and everybody's running away with all the jugs of water and i'm like i don't think there's any clean water left for us you know we're not used to this stuff but man i was anxious i started to freak out when i saw everybody the world in chaos right um this month volcanic eruptions to all right to all volcano in the Philippines. You know, my daughter's name is Tal. And I know we're on the other side of the, the world, but I, I've experienced some volcanic eruptions at home. I love my daughter. It's precious. I love you, sweetie. I love you. I'm talking about you, baby. 
You know, some other things we might not hear about. In Kenya, they had the largest locust infestation in over 60 years. And millions and millions just swarming their fields and it's just eating up their crops and, and it's just a horrible thing. Um, and then we have other things that aren't so natural disasters, but um, political things and, and nations against nations. We have Iran missiles taking down the Ukrainian passenger plane carrying many Canadians, right? You heard about that one. Many people lost their lives that day. Just the other week, you had a, a helicopter crash in California, and it's got the world in shock because of one person's life. Kobe Bryant was on that plane, right? That, that helicopter. And because I guess Kobe was a little bit more important to people across the globe, they felt connected to this guy. All of a sudden, his death seemed like the biggest thing in the world. Meanwhile, natural disasters are claiming the lives of thousands, thousands across the globe, daily. I mean, a, a human life is a human life. We were all created in the image of God. It's all sacred. Your life is sacred. Your life matters so much, God came for you to save your life because he loves you that much. Along with Kobe Bryant were his daughter and a number of others in the helicopter. In Toronto, I turn on CP24 and it seems almost every day shootings in the city. Every day, it's January, Happy New Year, and there's just like multiple shootings across the city. And of course, the latest thing that we're facing right now that's causing many people anxiety because of misinformation would be this uh, Wuhan coronavirus that is impacting the world because of international travel, all right? And the spread of this, uh, this virus. We're not gonna read through it, but in your own time, please do take time to read through Matthew 24 verses 3 to 14. Um, there, Jesus' disciples are asking, when will we know the time is that you're coming again? You know, And Jesus just lets them know, listen, there will be signs of the end times. Okay, This is in the New Testament, and Jesus is telling his followers, there are signs of the end times, and this is kind of what it looks like. There will be wars and rumors of wars. Nations will rise against nations. There will be famines, pestilence, and earthquakes. Let's just look at everything we just read there. The recap of January 2020. And it's all compounded in a short amount of time, all happening at the same time. These earthquakes and these volcanic eruptions, they're getting stronger and stronger by the decade and more frequent and closer together, okay? The whole world is kind of turning on itself. Are these the end times? I mean, it's all happening all at the same time. These things have always occurred, but consider the concentrated and compounding reality of these things in our current situation today. Maybe because it's not happening here in Toronto, it doesn't bother us too much. It doesn't cause much anxiety for us. Okay? 
there was a, a blackout. What was that, 2003? Do you remember that? The whole eastern seaboard? Down the North America? Just lost power. Right? Do you remember that? And before that, we had a Y2K. Remember Y2K? Everyone thought the world was going to end. What's going to happen at midnight? Oh, no. We're going to lose our internet connection. Oh, no. The satellites are going to go haywire. We can't watch TV anymore. You know? And everyone was freaking out. Why? Because it affects you and impacts you directly. But are we so far removed that what's happening to other people in the world, we don't care. We only care about what we're dealing with, what affects us and impacts us directly. So what, there's no anxiety about, oh no, I heard there's tsunamis happening over there, but those waves, by the time it gets to us, is it going to grow bigger? Is it going to get less? You know, it's like, we just care about ourselves. Let's be honest. How many of you really care about the locust infestation in Kenya? What will people eat? How many people really care about the wildfires out in Australia? We're all sitting pretty here. I love Canada. I do, you know. There's a lot of good stuff here. But what do you get anxious about? People are facing things like fearing for their life because there's just no way out. And you're anxious about what? Do I have enough money in my bank account? Do I have enough food in my fridge? How many likes do I have on my Instagram, my Facebook? What am I going to wear to church today? Anxious. <coughs> These are the end times, friends. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now these words were penned when the first followers of Jesus Christ were being persecuted. Right? Like the government was out to stop the Jesus movement. All right? And people... Jesus warned them. He said, listen, if you follow me, the world's going to hate you. All right? If you're my disciple, the world's going to hate you, and trouble's coming, so be ready. But don't be afraid. All right? And these words are penned from Paul to Timothy. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. What is this spirit of fear referring to? Okay? Throughout Scripture, God tells us not to be afraid, not to be afraid of being alone, not to be afraid of being too weak, of not being heard, and of lacking personal necessities, our material stuff. What is the spirit of fear? Do you know it? Am I going to lose everything? Is she going to leave me? What if they don't forgive me? There's anxiety in that too, right? 
It doesn't have to be major disasters happening in the world. They're very real things that happen in our spirit. But God doesn't give us a spirit of fear. He gives us a spirit of what? Of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, what does that spirit look like? It looks good on paper, but it seems so foreign to us, like you can't really connect with it. So we, it's nice to repeat. It's nice to recite this memory verse. But what does it really mean? Do I understand the impact of this spirit that God is giving us, his followers? A spirit of power. Do you feel powerful? No? Incredible Hulk? No Thanos? No, you don't feel power? The genie from Aladdin? Power. Stop to consider how God is omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient. He's all-powerful. He is everywhere present, and he is all-knowing, ever-wise. What spirit has God given to his believers? This is a spirit that encourages us, that brings courage to us, okay? He hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but these other things, the spirit of power and love and a sound mind, these are talking about the very essence of God being with us. The spirit he gives us is everything that he is. So we don't have to be afraid because he goes with us in his spirit. He puts that spirit in us of power and of love and of a sound mind. We don't have to be anxious about anything. We don't need to worry or fear anything. We could be concerned when things are going wrong, absolutely. But it should stir us to, to move with compassion for all those people that God also created, that God also came to save. He wants to use his church to share the love of God with all these people that are hurting in other parts of the world, that haven't heard his voice, that haven't come to know who he is. He wants to use you to bring his love and his power and his wisdom to the world. That's why he gave you that spirit. Not so that you could feel good and calm in your own soul. It's not just about you. All right? Faithful and fear-filled. Fear-filled. Let's look here at our sidebar. There are a few verses here. Um, and we're looking at the section that says, Fear of the Lord. How the fear of the Lord brings with it many blessings and benefits. You want to read it for us, Chris? The sidebar part? Yeah, the sidebar. Just those verses. It is the beginning of wisdom and leads to good understanding. Psalm 111, verse 10. Only fools despise wisdom and discipline. From Proverbs 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord leads to life, rest, peace, and contentment. Proverbs 19, 23. It is the fountain of life in Proverbs 14.27. It provides security and a place of safety in Proverbs 14.26. Well, there's some pretty good benefits, eh? You know when people try to get you to sign up for their store credit card? You're like, why? What's in it for me? If I sign up, what do I get? You want to know the benefits. Oh, you save 10% every time. You know, <laughs> it's like, and they, you want to know what's in it for me? What's in it for me? 
And here it is. God is showing you what's in it for you to have this fear of the Lord. There's two different types of fear in the Bible. The one we just talked about, the fear where you're all out of sorts, you're afraid of what's happening in the world, what might happen to you. But this fear of the Lord is different. Okay? God doesn't want us to be afraid of him. But he wants us to understand who he is, what he's capable of, and what it would mean to be opposing him. I'm not one of those guys that scream hellfire to try and scare you into Jesus' arms. Okay? But having a healthy understanding of who God is and what it means to oppose him and what comes along with all that, the fear of the Lord, I mean, one of the first things we read about was when Moses and the Israelites went to Mount Sinai and they all were faced with the presence of God, the fiery presence of God at the top of this smoky mountain. Earthquakes and lightning and, and just all this magnificence at the top of this mountain and they were afraid. And they said, whoa, we can't go there. You know, and they weren't supposed to approach that mountain. If they came close, they would die because they couldn't be in God's presence. When Moses came down from the mountain holding those tablets of stone with God's message on it, he was shining with a globe because he had been in the presence of God. And the people were kind of shaking because they're like, he's glowing. What is up with that guy? Like, cover yourself. It's too much for us. We can't handle this glory that's shining off of you that you're reflecting. So he covered himself with a veil. And they said, just speak the words to us. It's too much to bear. They had a healthy understanding that being in the presence of God, even through Moses, you know, just having a respect and a reverence and an awe, acknowledging that God is all-powerful, acknowledging that he is indeed God. Look at Psalm 56, verses 3 to 4. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I will have put my trust. I will not fear. What can flesh do to me? What or who do you trust when you're afraid? What do you do when you're afraid? You pray? Okay. Do you pray after you freak out? When you're afraid, are you freaking out first? It's like when we remember, we'll pray, right? But what do we do before we actually get to prayer? Let's be honest. You panic. You call all your friends. You try and rally people around you, you know? What else? What do you do when you're afraid? Take a deep breath. Keep silent. Just pause cry, break down, go all annihilistic in your mind. Whenever I'm afraid, I'll trust in you. When we're afraid, there is a misplaced trust. We might have put our trust in the wrong thing and realized that we've done, we've done that. We've placed a trust where it doesn't belong. A trust that belongs to God, 
We've placed it in the hands of our partner, of our boss, of, who, you know, like, whoever it is that you place your trust in. Well, my friend said that they'd always be there for me no matter what. But then they found themselves a boyfriend. And they're not there for me anymore. Kawawa. <laughs> Poor me. And you're afraid. They found somebody. What about me? I'm going to be alone forever. Trust in the Lord. What's it going to cost you? What's it going to cost you to trust in the Lord? It's going to cost you nothing and everything at the same time. It's a strange thing, isn't it? Because it's just a matter of where you're putting your trust. All right? Get Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 to 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. All right. I love this verse. It's my life verse, right? I struggle with anxiety. Okay, I do. I've struggled with anxiety for as long as I remember. Um, I love this. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray. What does worrying do? Nothing. I mean, it does some bad things, but it doesn't do anything good for you. All right? Don't worry. Instead, pray. You know, there's that song, don't worry, be happy. All right. Well, you know what? I, I think that guy might have understood when you don't worry and you pray, you could be happy. What does prayer do? What are you doing when you pray? You're acknowledging God. You're acknowledging that you need to go to him. You need him. You're acknowledging your need. All right? There's something humbling about that. When you come to God in prayer, you can't come to him with pride filling your heart. I mean, you could come to him with pride filling your heart and demand things from God, but is that prayer? No. That's not prayer. God, I'm going to give you a try right now, but you better show up now and do something good for me. If you give me that job, I will praise you. If you give me that wife, I will worship you, or at least send her to church, and I'll give the offering. You know? And you try to bargain with God, and you're not praying to him. You're cutting deals with him like it's a business, a business transaction. Okay? Prayer is a soul thing, guys. It's a spirit thing. It's something that happens on the inside of your heart to God's heart. Okay? Shifting your focus. Worry is the same thing as worship. It's the exact same thing. It's just at any point in your life when you're going through struggles, you could either worship the problem, and that's called worry, or you could worship God. And you go to him in prayer. So you're just, by praying, you're shifting your focus from the problem to God, keeping your eyes on things above. With the same intensity, yeah. <laughs> right? Have you prayed with the same intensity that you have worried? Mm -hmm. Sometimes I think we worry so much, and then we say, God, I can't take this worry anymore. Just take it away. <laughs> right? And we just want to feel better. 
All right. I like that, Chris. Thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. Don't worry, instead pray. In every situation, in every situation, pray. That's it. Pray without ceasing in every situation. Don't be anxious. Just pray in every situation. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Why do we pray with thanksgiving? Has God given you what you're asking yet? Why are you thanking him if you haven't received what you're just about to ask him? Sure, it's not always about what we could get from him. Not just Sometimes we ask for things that aren't good for us and God knows better. Yeah. Right? It's just he said that humility. You can't be thankful and be prideful yeah. at the same time. It's impossible. Absolutely. You cannot be thankful and pride-filled at the same time. Right? Thankfulness shows that you have received something or your need is being fulfilled from somebody else. Something outside of you. You can't offer this to yourself. All right? It is humbling. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Why should we pray with thanksgiving? You know, I, I love the idea when we come to worship God, we come running in with hearts of thanksgiving. And you're like, what do I have to be thankful for? Be thankful for who God is, first of all. He created you. Without God, there's no you. Did you know that? God is a life giver. All right? He's the one that, that gives you life. What do I have to be thankful for? <laughs> the very breath you're breathing today. I have nothing to be thankful for. Why? Because you're not getting what you, don't, you, you want? You know, it's like um, my children, they, they're learning Thank God they are learning how not to whine and complain for things that they want. You know? They're being responsible. But my daughter, she's still very young. And she's very verbal. And she has learned how to whine. No! Mine! Share! Share! I'm like, girl, just shh, shh, quiet. It is like, what are you asking for? And I, I feel when I look at my daughter and she just wants to be part of everything. She wants, she, she has FOMO, the, the fear of missing out. You know, she won't go to bed till like past midnight because mommy and daddy are still awake and she wants to talk to us all night. You know, she has FOMO. And I bring up my daughter not to shame her in any sort of way, but because what she reveals to me is what I see of too many of my Christian friends, you know? We whine and complain to God when we're not getting what we want. We're not satisfied with what God has given us. We have a fear of missing out, and we think, God, I'm not satisfied with what you've given me. Give me more. There's got to be more to life than this, we say. And we're thinking small potatoes. We have a limited view. We want God to give us everything in this life now. What happens when you die? Could you take anything of what God has given you, material things, the job, the fame, the fortune, whatever? You can't take anything of that with you when you die. 
that he has given, but we haven't recognized it yet. Amen. Every spiritual blessing. So our prayer would be open our eyes to things that you have already given. Yep. I haven't seen them yet. Absolutely. God has given everything, right? We just don't realize how much he's given. But an attitude of thanksgiving is what helps open up your eyes. Okay? What is this peace of God that we cannot comprehend? How does it guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus? <laughs> is it even worth trying to discuss? A peace that we cannot understand, that goes beyond any human comprehension. Why is God giving us something that we can't understand? We can't understand it when we lean on our own understanding. But my friends, this peace of God, when you have it, when you recognize it, when it's there and you experience it, you're just like, whoa, what is this? This is so cool. How is this happening? Where did this come from? I feel so undeserving. And it humbles you. You cannot have... You cannot have this um, peace of God and feel that you've earned it. You can't boast about it because it's a gift to you. You didn't attain it from your own merit. No, no, it, it's given to you. What does this peace of God look like? Uh, forgive me for getting personal again. Um, I use it because it, it's a very strong point in my life where I had experienced that peace of God in an overwhelming way. Um, it was six years ago with my heart disease came to the front lines and I was like, okay, I have to have this surgery and I don't know what's going to happen on the other side of this. It was very quick, very sudden. I had no idea what was going to go on. And my life verse, don't worry, just pray. All right? Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray. This is one of those situations you just do that, right? Because when you do that, guess what? The peace of God, yeah, it starts to come on you, all right? Because there's nothing I could do to save myself in that moment, right? I couldn't fix my heart. I couldn't give myself surgery. You know, like, I, there were four blockages in my heart. And the doctors are like, whoa, how are you walking? How did you get here today? Why are you still alive? I said, oh, God must still have a plan, you know? And you know what? God did have a plan. He really did. Through that whole experience, you know, my wife, you know, she was skeptical because she knew me my whole life. She knew how I was with God. She knew how all the choices that I had made. She, she seen me through all those dark years, you know, as my friend. And then when she saw me believing in God and she saw me worshiping God, she said, there's still something not right there. You know, like, it doesn't match. Everything I know of Tim and what's coming out of his mouth, it doesn't match, you know? And I'm like, well, I'm not here to prove anything to you. I worship God. I'm not worshiping you. I'm here to please God. I'm not here to please you and satisfy whatever. But I'm like, Lord, I know what you're doing in my life. And one day I know that 
my wife will get it one day, right? And that one day happened to be when I was in the hospital. She came up beside me, and I was all smiles. I wasn't afraid of anything. Like, why? I heard the news, and I wasn't afraid. Like, where does that come from? I have suffered with anxiety my entire life. I had suffered from depression my entire life. And here I am, possibly my deathbed. Dude. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, what is this? What is this piece of, what is this piece I'm experiencing? I was happy. I was joy-filled. I knew that God was going to carry me through or whatever he was going to do through this situation. It would glorify him because I was giving my life to God. And I said, God, use me whatever way you want. If it means you need to take my life now, I know you have a purpose in that too. As long as you're glorified because it's not about me. And I was okay with that. And my wife was okay with that. I'm like, you, you were okay if I died? <laughs> you know? And that same time when I was in the hospital, um, it was the day of my surgery. I was scheduled for my surgery. And they were transferring me from one hospital to the other. And my wife had, had called me on my phone, and they were putting me on the gurney, transferring me out. And I got the phone call, and she said, I heard back from the specialist. It turns out I have a tumor in my brain. I'm like, what? God, what? You know, and I'm like, really, really now? And they had to strap me in, so I had to hang up the phone. And I remember just feeling helpless, lying there, and I'm like, I was okay when it was me. Am I still gonna be okay now that it's my wife? What if I don't make it through this and now my wife has a brain tumor? We have three kids. Who's going who's gonna to take care of them? And I'm like, God, I love you. I trust you. But something's got to give. I know you have a plan, but help me trust your plan. Because so far, it's not going so great. And I got honest with God. But I was praying. And I remember the night before, I was talking to my wife. And we were just thankful for the time that God allowed us to spend together. Because during that time, we came to know God at a deeper level for ourselves. We were just grateful for that time. So when I came to God, you know what, God? I can't beg you to do anything for her. Her life is in your hands, too. Just as I'm placing my life in your hands, God. Whatever it is you want to do, have your way in us, Lord God, as long as you're glorified. As long as you're glorified. I don't understand, but I trust in you. As they wheeled me out, I've been in the hospital for seven days, cooped up. They wouldn't let me leave the room. This was the first whiff of fresh air that I got in the parking lot of the hospital. <laughs> the exhaust fumes from the ambulance. I'm like, guys, please, just stop. Before you put me in, just, just let me breathe. And I felt the sun peek through the clouds. It was a cold day. I felt the sun peek through the clouds. And it warmed my face, and it was like God kissing me in that moment, bringing courage, saying, son, don't worry. There is light in the situation. My son, don't worry about anything. You came to me. I'm taking care of you. Don't worry. What a blessing. Oh, the peace of God goes beyond any human comprehension, but when you got it, you know it. 
and it brings joy. It brings encouragement. It, it develops your faith. It just lifts you up and it makes you feel God's power, his strength, his love, and a sound mind. His spirit is alive in us, friends. And you just got to pray, God, give me the eyes to see you. God, I know you've blessed me with every spiritual blessing. Help me know your blessing, Lord God. When you're anxious, just pray. If you don't know what to pray about, just say, Lord, open my eyes. Because when you're anxious and afraid, you're like this. You're curled up. You're not looking anywhere. You're so focused inward. God says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look up to the skies. Focus on the things above. Think of the things unseen. Think of the things that are good, true, noble, right, pure. The things that are lovely and admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. When we think on the things of God, we don't have time to be worrying about anything. All right? And when we pray to him with thanksgiving in our heart, guess what? Peace comes down right away. If you haven't tried it, try it. Trust me. All right? I can't sell it to you. I can't explain how it works. But God said, you know what? With thanksgiving in your heart, that's the key. With grateful hearts, come before God. In willful submission, receiving all that he has for us today. That's how he guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Let's look at John chapter 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give it as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. <laughs> so these guys are following Jesus and he tells them, listen, you follow me, the world's going to hate you. You follow me, they're going to try and kill you. All right? Tribulation's coming your way. All right? And then Jesus says, um, by the way, guys, thanks for following me, but um, I'm going to be taken off soon. What? You know, imagine Jesus' disciples sitting there. What do you mean you're leaving? Where are you going, man? You can't leave us here. They're going to get us. Imagine the anxiety. And then all Jesus says is, listen, guys. Hey, peace. I leave with you. My peace. I'm giving it to you. And you're like, peace? Really? That's what you're giving us? They're going to come at us with, like, ropes to tie us up. They're going to come at us, like, whipping us. They want us to hang upside down, you know? It's like... And he says, peace. What is this word peace? The word peace here reflects the Hebrew word shalom, or the concept of shalom. And there's so much more that goes along with that shalom. It's more than just a greeting, all right? It is a wellness, a fullness, a wholeness. When you greet each other, this shalom, you're speaking a blessing over the person's life. You're speaking all that God's continued um, provision be with you, that God will continue to protect you, that God is guiding you, that you are never alone. Shalom. Peace. And when we have this shalom, this peace of God, you never need to worry. You never have to be afraid. Don't let your hearts be troubled and don't be afraid. Why? peace. It's one of the greatest gifts that God has given us while we're still living here on this world today. Okay? 
this peace unknown, this peace unknown to the unsaved provides supernatural calm and comfort in the midst of trials and enables God's people to respond to others in harmony. The greatest reality of this peace will be in the messianic kingdom. Our third section is contentment and courage. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 to 18. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. You know, we put this up a lot. This is another one of my favorite Bible verses. But I think when we look at it, we look at it as three separate steps or three separate things. Rejoice, always pray, and give thanks. All right? What if I told you we just look at it a little differently? Let's mash it up a little bit. Okay? Let's mash all these three things together in one. Can you rejoice if you are not content? Think about it. Can you be full of joy if you are not content? No. Now, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, was Eve content with what God has given her? No. She wanted to eat the one thing she wasn't allowed to eat. She wasn't content. So she didn't know the joy that she could have in the Lord because she wanted something outside of what the Lord was offering her. Think about your own life. Everything that you've been given is a gift from God. You could complain about it if you want, but God could use even the horrible things in your life to be used for his purposes. Okay? Everything that you have, a gift from God, be thankful. This is your lot in life. If your lot was to remain single or to be single again, that's your lot in life. You can do with it what you choose. You could be bitter about it. You could complain to God and demand more, but maybe God has a lesson for you while you're still in this waiting period. Okay? Maybe you rushed into your marriage and you didn't think it through. But you know what? You, you, you're there. You're in your marriage, and you got to make it work somehow. This is the lot that God has given you because of the choices that you've made. Be satisfied and content with the lot you've been given. Sounds sucky, doesn't it? Sounds horrible, right? Uh, the lot I've been given, I, you know what? Everybody tells me how blessed I am, my wife and I, how blessed we are because we have five children. And they're like, wow, God has really blessed you. I'm like, yes, he has, but could he help us with these kids? Because there's a lot of them. And people are like, hey, you know, some people can't have kids, so you should be really happy. I said, I am happy, you know, but... It's difficult. You know, my children are special needs children. They're not less of a person by any means, but it is difficult to deal with all the, the challenges that come along with a special needs child. And it's not just one. There are multiple. Okay? 
Am I complaining? Absolutely not. Am I blessed? Absolutely I am. This is my lot in life. This is what God has given me. And I'm going to make the best of it that I have. And I'm going to turn it all around and use it for God's glory. Right? I don't, I'm not going to make it about me and my wife and what we're doing over here. No. We want to shape up these children so that they could go out and continue to glorify God wherever they go after their mom and dad are gone. All right? This is what we need to do. This is discipleship. Okay? This is discipling. This is what God wants us to do. This is my lot in life. No matter what situation you're facing, you work with whatever God has given you. And you use that for his kingdom purposes. Remember the widow that had two mites, two coins, as her offering? Other people, the Pharisees coming in with their golden pots and stuff. Oh, look at me. You know, just a show off, right? And here the little widow comes in with her little offering. But it was all that she had. She trusted There was trust in that. There was humility in that. There was sacrifice in that. She was offering for God's purposes. Do you offer God just a little bit? Okay, God, I offer you one day of the week. Okay, God, I offer you five minutes in the morning. Okay, God, you know, just... Or are you coming and offering him everything? Can you trust God a little bit and not the rest of the time? Oh, good question, yeah? Can you trust God with your finances? Yes. What if you had a lot of finances? Are you still going to trust him? We say we could trust him. And we have a job that pays okay. But we want more. And we go out and we try to get more jobs so we can make more money. And it takes us away from our family. And it takes us away from these relationships. And then we can't fellowship with the church anymore. And it pulls us away and we're making the money and we say, thank you, God, I'm making a lot of money now. It's a gift from you, God, amen. Now I get the Mercedes that I always wanted, thank you. And and then they get up there and say, yeah, and it's all because of God. And then you see the poor guy's wife sitting beside him, heartbroken. You don't have time for me. You don't take care of our kids. You're making a lot of money. What good is that? Oh, because this is what God gave me. No, that's what you got for yourself because you made your choices. You didn't depend on God. You depended on your own ability and your own power. What does it look like to depend on God for everything? Sometimes he'll give you a dream job that will cause you to compromise so much more of life that is important. And when you're faced with that choice, are you going to say, God gave me this opportunity for this great job? Okay, what's it going to cost you? I want to support you, but what's it going to cost you? Is it worth it? Or is this just a test? How does God help us learn to trust him? He allows us to go through stuff. Tribulation, test, trial. He allows us to go through stuff so that we can learn how to trust him.
It's not something that you have to figure out on your own. It's just something you have to come to God and surrender with thanksgiving in your heart. Rejoice always, pray continually, and give thanks in all circumstances. So, can you rejoice if you are not content? No. What is the opposite of joy? Some people are saying sadness. What else? What's the opposite of joy? Sorrow. Some people say sorrow, grieving, mourning. Okay, but those things don't always last, right? See, joy lasts. Okay. What's the opposite of joy? And where does joy come from? Joy comes from the Lord and from the Lord alone. You can have happy moments and you could be so happy, but don't call it joy if it fizzles out. Joy lasts forever. So there's something else, the opposite of joy. If joy comes from the Lord, it means I need to receive this from God. It's coming not from within myself. I am, I'm getting this from somebody else that can offer it to me. Joy. Friends, the opposite of joy, I'd like to suggest, is sin. Sin is living your life for yourself. If you keep trying to chase your dreams in this world and live for yourself and build up your kingdom, there will be no joy for you because you're selfish, because you're pride-filled, because it's sin. It's the opposite of joy. Who wants joy in their life today? Yeah? Stop being selfish. Yeah? It's cool. You got to be humble. You got to recognize everything that you have is from God. And you're just managing it. It's not even yours to hoard. So when God gives it to you, you say, thank you, God. What do you want me to do with it? You know? Cool. And what is the opposite of fear? Some say love. What is the opposite of fear? Courage, boldness, bravery. Hey, love goes along with that too, right? When we know God's love, man, we're on top of the world. <laughs> the opposite of fear is courage. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous. If somebody's freaking out and they feel weak, and they feel they have nothing to offer, they can't go on, they, they're frozen and stuck in life, what good is it to come up to them and say, hey, the Bible said be strong and courageous, man. Get off your butt. Be strong and courageous. You know, God told us we need to be strong and courageous, so just be it. How? How is that helpful? You can't be strong and courageous in your own strength. It has to come from somewhere else, just like that joy. All right? Because the, the strength and the courage that I thought I had has now fizzled out. Okay? Because of fear and anxiety and worry and doubt and shame and pain and selfishness and pride. 
be strong and courageous because the Lord your God goes with you. He has not given you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Why shouldn't I fear knowing that God goes with me? Why shouldn't I be afraid knowing that God goes with me? Well, God is ever-present. God is all-knowing, ever-wise, okay? And he is all-powerful. I want that sort of guy on my side. Rather, I'd, I'd like to join that guy's side of things. Eugene Peterson in the message paraphrase puts it this way. Be strong. Take courage. Don't be intimidated. Don't give them a second thought because God, your God, is striding ahead of you. He's right there with you. He won't let you down. He won't leave you. Those are encouraging words, are they not? When you feel like it's the world against you. When God goes with you, friends, it's God against the world. Okay? There's a headline that I came across, a little story that I came across, and it's in your sidebar. It read, Jesus appears to group of 72 Christians about to be slaughtered by Boko Haram, intervenes, saving them. It's a miraculous story of life-saving intervention breaking from northern Nigeria. A group accounts of divine intervention as Jesus appears to 72 Nigerian Christian converts from Islam just as they await execution from the radical Boko Haram. The local pastor credits Jesus' appearance to the group to the fact that these people knew no other biblical text to visit. They are all illiterate and thus no access to scripture, so Jesus provided it himself. It was reported, and when I read the whole article, there were 76 Christian converts that were taken. Of the 76, they killed four of the fathers. This was women and children as well. And just as they were at gunpoint and knives to the throat, the women were going to go first, but the children came up to the mothers saying, don't worry. Jesus appeared to us, and he said, everything's going to be okay. All they had to do was reject Jesus, was to denounce Jesus as Lord, was to cut off Jesus as the head. That's all they had to do to save their life. After they, the women were encouraged by their children, they refused to denounce Christ. They proclaimed him and declared him as Lord instead. At that moment, at the countdown, when everything was supposed to go down, they were getting ready for whatever was to come. All of a sudden, you heard the attackers yelling, Snakes! Snakes! And they all fled and not a single one of the 72 left behind were harmed in any way. This is still going on today, friends. It's not about the fear of the Lord. It's not about how many Bible verses you know. 
It's not about how much of scripture you can memorize or try to decode. None of that matters. Yes, read the word to know God if you have the capacity to do so. If you have the opportunity to do so, absolutely. Search God through the scriptures. But even when there's no way to know God, God makes himself known in visions and dreams and in moments of deep despair. Jesus saves. It's what he does. Jesus saves. And if you're in a situation today that you feel you need some sort of saving from, friends, don't try and dig your way out and try to weasel your way around and make life work for yourself. No, the first thing you got to do, breathe and be thankful for this breath that you have today. And use that breath to pray to God today. And when you do that, when you humble yourself before him and pray, the peace of God will come on you, friends. Do you want to know him? You want to know his peace? Oh, it's the best thing, knowing God. If you don't know what to live for, live for this. Live to know God. Let that be your daily goal in everything you do. No matter the situation, in every situation, give thanks, rejoice, and pray continually. Let God be part of your everyday. Walk with him moment by moment, day by day, because he goes with you. You know, when it says, fear not, take heart, take courage because God goes with you, then when you go, don't leave God behind. Huh? And then you wonder, God, where were you? I thought you came with me. No, you left him behind. It makes sense. It's so simple, right? So you're praying, God, I'm so afraid. Yeah, it's because you didn't wait for me. You went your own way. That's what happened with Adam and Eve. They went their own way. They thought they knew better. Don't lean on your own understanding. You're a fool if you do that. Instead, trust in the Lord and his, his wisdom. All right? Everything God has for us is perfect. Take courage, take heart. If we don't take it, we lose it. There is an implication that we don't have heart and courage here. So we need to take it from somewhere outside of us and put it in our inner person. God doesn't expect us to be strong in our own power. He wants us to rely on his power to be our strength. He encourages time and time again throughout scriptures that everything we need is him, found in his wisdom, found in his presence, and found in his power. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 28 to 29. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Don't fear the world, just fear God. He's a consuming fire, it says. God is giving us a new heaven and a new earth, the holy city, the new Jerusalem, which will be eternal and immovable, where we will dwell in the very presence of God. Our God is a consuming fire, and those who reject his offer of salvation through his son, Jesus Christ, should fear the punishment of eternal separation from him. Friends, it's my prayer today that whatever your situation is, whatever lot in life you have, I want to encourage you. I want to tell you to take heart and take courage because God goes with you. God bless you all. Shalom.
Let's stand together and worship God.